Good night, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to Sunday night. Happy Sunday night to you. Hope you had a fabulous weekend so far and you get ready to go in there and crush it this week and make some big things happen. This is Money and Skills with Dallin and Michelle, episode five. Ooh, I didn't realize we're this far in. I don't know why it skipped me that we're this far in. Five episodes in. I feel like we just feels like we just got started. My name is Dallin Vanderpool. I'm a financial educator helping young professionals to make their money moves. And I want to toss it over to my main buddy, <laughs> Michelle Beatty. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hi, everyone. Yeah, great. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. If you're live and if you're catching the replay, thanks for catching the replay. Excited to have you here with us. I know five episodes, like, that's huge from like this yeah. random conversation to like five episodes. <laughs> yeah, it, re it really, it really has gone by pretty quickly. I still remember, I don't know exactly what I just remember you casually calling me. I don't even know if it was a phone call, it might have been a voice note. Like, hey, we've been talking about XYZ. We should really turn this into a series. And then I feel like two days later, there was like a graphic with with my face on it. Like, here, this is the thing that we're doing. We're doing this? Okay, I guess we're, this is, when is it? All right, Sunday. Awesome, this is happening. And then here we are five, five weeks into it. So I think it's been going well so far. I've gotten some good feedback. So shout out to everyone who's actually sent in feedback, whether it's you know, a DM or instant message or comment or email or whatever it is. So shout out to everyone who's been following along with the series. I hope you've been getting... Uh, massive value from that over the last uh, couple of weeks. And we're excited to give you even more of that tonight. As always, a lot of these things that we talk about here on the show come from the ongoing, when I say ongoing, the conversation that Michelle and I have been having for the last what, what, three years? More than that by now, I think. When, when we met, years. yeah, it's, it's longer than that because I've been in Panama for four and a half and we met when I was still in the BVI. So it's got to be like at least five years, five or, or more. The conversation we've been having gradually throughout the time, but this week we're talking about some stuff that spilled out of the conversation we started having uh, this week. And I think this is going to be very interesting for a lot of you out there, particularly for the folks who have been struggling with charging higher prices, trying to negotiate salaries, feeling like they're not worth enough or having been told that they're not worth what they think they're worth. And you're having this kind of disconnect between what you think you're worth and what people are offering you. If you're having those kind of conversations with yourself or having those kind of conversations with the people that you don't want to be having those kind of conversations with, this episode is for you. So stick around. we got a lot of good stuff coming up for you. So I want to start this one off, Michelle, with uh, an, an, a, a personal story. And I, I mentioned this to you a couple of days ago. I want to mention this because it's the personal story of how I spent years getting underpaid for no fault of but my own. Like it's simply because I didn't understand my value. I didn't. I didn't know. I wasn't aware. I even when I had hints of that the value should be more, I didn't feel comfortable charging that much. I didn't have the confidence. And and this is a story of what happened. And we can hash it out afterwards. So this is a story. It's kind of like a two stories. It's the same story twice. The first one, <laughs> the first time this happened, this is all from my musician days. I don't want to talk about the real corporate stuff because that's a whole other conversation. You know, people might be here watching former bosses and that kind of stuff. I'm just going to stick to the music times. So in, in another life, Black TD was a musician or kind of still is a musician, professional musician, doing gigs, rocking out on stages, all this kind of stuff, music festivals, blase, blase, good times. Now, one of the other things we used to do, we were a crew, we used to do, I play saxophone, so we used to do personal serenades. So Valentine's Day, of course, was a hot day, like you're going around, and we would run around doing 20, 25, 30 different serenades in a day, everything from, you know, island stuff, hanging from a coconut tree, playing Stevie Wonder, you know, something ribbon in the sky, 
to uh, meeting some lady in the hairdresser and she's pissed off, but she's crying because it's romantic that her, her husband sent you, but she's upset because, you know, you're taking a video of her playing, you know, playing a saxophone in a hairdresser, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And at the time, even happy birthday, that kind of stuff, we were charging, I don't know, $30, $35 uh, to pop up and play uh, a song, right? It'd be a song or some kind of specific, maybe somebody's wedding song that they did or they chose something or there's, oh my gosh, I don't know, man, just make it sound sexy. Just do what you got to do. So that would be like thirty to thirty-five dollars. Now you have to understand. Somebody thinks, "Oh, well, great, it's thirty to thirty-five bucks. You just pop it in for two minutes." But on the back end, we know that it's not a two-minute thing because we have to spend the time booking the gig with you, find out where it is. We can't be late because this stuff is usually very like in the moment. So we can't be late. So I'm there thirty minutes before whatever this, whatever the event or the moment is, is supposed to happen. I got to book time learning the song, especially if it's not something that I knew already in my kind of mental catalog. I got to download that, pay for that track if I'm using a track for it. Uh, I got to spend time learning the song, execute it, and then I got to pack up all this stuff and drive back from wherever random place you had me doing this thing to where I need to be next. So it's not two minutes. You know, this could be four or five hours of work, depending on how efficient you are going through it. We were charging 35 bucks, more or less, until at some point we realized, hey, this is not sustainable and we need to be charging more. And this was the moment when I started realizing we need to be charging more. And this happened by accident. It was, it was, it was exciting and embarrassing at the same time. We got called for a gig on top of a, to play on a mega yacht. And this mega yacht was owned by, I won't give out names, but the mega yacht was owned by one of the direct marketing, one of the founders of the direct marketing industry, right? It went on this yacht, super sexy yacht and everything out there. I'm talking about, I don't know if you've ever been in a mega yacht before, but mega yacht life is a whole, people don't wear shoes on these mega yachts. Like it's, it's taboo. Like, you, you know, and you just got to have nice feet. Nobody has bad feet in a mega yacht. Everybody's pretty and handsome. Everybody's fit. It's just like a little, it's this weird kind of little world when you go on, on some of these mega yachts. So we jump on there. And when the owner of the yacht is coming up, just about all the crew, except the captain jumps off the boat and lines up along the, along the dock to salute this guy. And when we got called for the gig, it was a last minute thing. They had a dinner going on. They said, hey, this guy needs some music or contacts at the at the resort that they were staying at, you know, called us up and said, hey, look, can you come play some music? These guys are loaded. So feel free to you know charge a proper price, especially since it's last minute. And we were like, oh, OK, we're about to go in. We charged the biggest amount that we had ever charged yet for that kind of gig. And we thought we were doing something. I remember specifically we charged eight hundred dollars. Woo! We're like, boy, we're going to go home rolling tonight, $400 a person. It's going to be lit. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're doing something. We did the gig. And by the time we were done playing everything from Frank Sinatra to Bob Marley to, uh, to you know, Ella Fitzgerald, John Coltrane, uh, Andrea Bocelli, all in the same set, we ended off with the prayer. I mean, these people were in like literal tears were falling from the music that we played. And then, you know, they paid us. And they gave us a separate envelope. I heard the, the owner of the yacht say, take care of these guys. They gave us the $800 for the invoice that we gave them. And then they gave us a tip of $700. Now, <laughs> it was a kind of surreal moment. I remember sitting there in the dock waiting for our tiny boat to take us back home, Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island style. And we're thinking to ourselves, first it was like, man, we just got a $700 tip. Then it was like, wait a minute, $700, wait a minute. If they were willing to pay us as a tip, just about $100 short of what we charged them in the first place, we clearly didn't price this correctly. We clearly undercharged. We clearly didn't understand 
or value, right? Or we we, we knew the value and we were afraid to, to to write that number and say the words and call call for that that amount, that dollar amount that we want to get paid. So that was a real eye-opening moment for us. And from that point on, we started charging more uh, for what we were doing. We started, and you know, you're charging more, but we started up in the up in the the professionalism and the value of what we wanted to do as well. Just started moving a whole lot, whole lot differently. And you just get launched into this whole other ball game. You're done doing happy birthday and Valentine's thing for 35 bucks. If you do it at all, 150 bucks, man. You you want a minute and a half of my time? Well, this is what it is. You know, it, it, out of that, if you can't pay that kind of money, I might as well just sit at home and practice until I can do the thousand dollar gig or twelve hundred dollar gig. So I give that example just to show that there are practical times in our lives where people will see the value in you. I don't mean to get preachy here on a Sunday night, but people will see the value in what you're doing a lot of times a long time before you see it. You know what I mean? I agree. So anybody listening to this tonight, I want to just use that as a backdrop here for the conversation we're about to have in that, yes, one, you need to start seeing the value in what you have and being willing to, to call the bigger numbers and ask for more. But at the same time, right, this isn't a situation you know, you might have, I know it's Sunday night, you know, some of y'all might have been in some bad church where they just said, name it and claim it. You know, sorry, uh, this is not that situation. You don't just go out there and say, I'm worth a million dollars or I'm worth a hundred thousand dollars. And then all of a sudden the direct transfer, you know, arise. No, you actually have to start providing that amount of value to the market. You have to start communicating that value and packaging it and learning how to tell your story in the right way uh, to make sure you're presenting yourself as somebody that can really deliver those kinds of results. So one of the things we talked about yesterday, remember, Michelle, was this idea of people having the value, like you, you know what you're doing, but we are not used to communicating it and we don't have the right formats to communicate it. For example, when you're going to do a high ticket sale, uh, you know, facts tell and stories sell, right? People don't want to know the tech people. I mean, they want to know, but they don't really want to get what's going to close the deal is not the technicalities of your certification and this and that. That's all good. What they want to see is some case studies. Give me an example of when you took somebody from point A to point B and they were able to do it faster and more efficiently and more profitably than with anybody else they could have done it with. Show me an example of that. You know, we can get into the nitty gritty details of what you Yeah, but explain to me in detail, you know, with the case studies, how you did that. So that's one of the things I want to leave and lead off with tonight in that if you're thinking about upping your or increasing your value and trying to show that, really start thinking in terms of case studies. You want to be able to demonstrate to people where you've done these things that 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 give you the sort of the so-called value that you say that uh, that you have. So that's the initial backdrop to this stuff. And with that, I want to jump into a couple of tips. And this is from a podcast episode I did called, Oh My God, or OMG, You're Amazing for free, right? And the backdrop of that was, again, in the music world, you see this all over the place. You've had a situation where people say, oh my gosh, you know, I did, we, we got to have you speak at our event or we, we'd love to work with you. Da, da, da. It's just like, you're so amazing. We've been following you on LinkedIn and, you know, your Twitter feed is fire and the, the stuff you've been putting out on Instagram. My gosh, golly gee, wow. If you're putting that out there for free, I can't even amaze I can't even imagine what you do if you were to really come and just deliver that kind of value to our audience. Could you come and speak at our event? It's, it's this time. It's that date. What's your budget? I'm sorry? It's about your budget. Well, we didn't really have a budget. What do you mean you didn't have a budget? Okay. 
my price is $1 billion. Oh, that's too much. Oh, so there is a budget. It's just less than 1 billion. Great. Back to my original question. What's your budget? <laughs> so when you start having these kind of conversations where people are super impressed with you, but they don't want to pay, that's when you got to start learning how to negotiate and have this kind of, have this, have this, this, know how to maneuver these situations until you get to the place where people don't bother even talking to you if they don't have a budget, right? But for those of us who are in the in-between phase where you're either not getting paid or you want to get paid more, uh, these are some things that I think can help you. And we'll put these in the show notes and everything so you can have these. I'm going to rock through them really quick, Michelle. Feel free to cut me off or interject at any time uh, if you think one of these needs more clarification, if you got something to jump in with. So okay. uh, at the top of it, I think there's a mindset shift that has to happen, right? Uh, in terms of understanding what it is you're trying to get out of the value that you're putting out there. What are you trying to get out of this deal? Are you here for the likes? And be honest, you know, are you here just for the likes and the followers? Are you just trying to get attention? You just want some company? You're lonely? You know, you want to be able to, you're sitting at home bored and you want to be able to send a tweet and people tweet back and you feel special because people are you know, tweeting with you or whatever it is? Or are you actually trying to add massive value to people's lives through your product or service? That's something you really got to separate. And, and I, I, don't, I say this jokingly, but it's a really serious thing because if you go into this saying you want to go for the money and this and that, but what you really just want is the likes and followers, you're not going to have the drive to go through and get you know, structure the things you need to do. So be honest with yourself. But for those of us who really are here to get the money and get this money and skills thing popping off, here are some things to do. One, right? If you're going to start monetizing you, right? And it's actually, as I mentioned, this is a book I want to get that I think, I think Cody Sanchez, I keep on mentioning Cody. I saw her mention you a are. book. Yeah, I mentioned it last episode. This is a book that she, I saw her in a post. I got to get the book. It was called The Startup of You. Uh, I'll, I'll find the name of the author. The startup of you, I went to get that. I got it on my, on my list. Okay. We'll add it um, to the show notes for a reference point. Yeah, I got it. I haven't read this yet, but from what I've heard about it, it's a really good one. I got I to gotta start. Uh, I got to get that this week and check it out. So if you're going to start monetizing you, one of the first things you, you need to start doing is focus on solving a specific problem or a specific set of problems for your niche. It's hard to charge a high price as a generalist, right? And I give the example of somebody where, Look, you know, your mom or your, your dad, somebody you really love is having, I don't know, they're having heart trouble. And you go to the hospital and they, they present you two options. You have this guy here and they say, look, he's a great doctor. You know, he's, he does a lot of stuff. He's anything we need. He always takes care of it. And then they give you the other doctor. This guy does hearts. That's all he does hearts. He studied hearts. He specifically does hearts. He's had 1,000 heart cases that he saved. He doesn't do feet. He doesn't do ankles. He does he just does hearts. Who you want to go with? You're probably going to pick the heart guy in a serious situation. And it's not that the general guy is bad. It's just that when it comes to general guy or girl is bad, it's just when it comes to high value situations and big money is on the table, people want to know that they're rocking with a person who can get the specific result that they're going after. So if you want to charge more money, you're going to have to narrow down a bit or a lot and make it clear specifically what you do for who and in what context? You got to niche that down and start solving some specific problems. The second I thing agree. is a position. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. So, like, I just want to tie this in. Last week, we talked about niches, right? Yep. And bringing it all together. And then I love that you started, you kicked it off with mindset and understanding your stance. Mm -hmm. So, that's so important, especially when you are monetizing it and you have to decide because the emotional part of it 
of the dedication of the journey. It comes yeah. out when, with what you're talking about now when you're monetizing. You need to make sure that you understand the emotion within yourself that this yeah. journey is going to bring out. Because if yeah. you're going to be that niche person, you're going to have to dig deeper than what you're currently digging to make yeah. sure that you are giving that to your audience. You are delivering, a, like, what is, what is the saying? Over deliver? There's, yeah. a, there's a little quote, but you're over Under promise, over deliver. That's it. Thank you. Under promise, That's what I'm here for. Deliver. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so it's like, what does that look like and the journey of it? And it's just like, as you're listening to the great tips that and insight that Dallin is sharing right now, like he's really just like kick off and go into even further. I want everyone to think about the emotional part that's tied to it within yourself, the ebbs and flows, the different things that you're going to go through when you're figuring out how you're going to share that, how far are you going to go with it? And if it is just for like, are you okay with a competitor doing the same thing and they're getting paid for it? What emotional roller coaster is that going to go? If it's really a pay it forward community service spending time, that's going to also come out in how you deliver your content. Yeah. So be very clear in your intention. Are you going for the money if that i mean whatever your reason that's your reason i mean this that doesn't have that that's not not up for debate if you're perfecting yourself as a SME or a niche or whatever what does that look like and then also i think when it comes down to it it's like are you okay with the outcomes of what you're putting out because sometimes like yeah. well i'm just air quote i'm just gonna do this what does that look like for you? Because I mean, go ahead, Dallin, because you have great points. But I just want, as anyone's listening to the replay or tuning in tonight, I want them to think about that as they're processing what you're saying, because that's the level of accountability that they're setting their, their accountability bar for. Yeah, and I think the emotional side of it is, is crucial because as you go into this, <laughs> the funny thing I was just watching, I was watching something this afternoon, and they were they were they mentioned a quote from Gary V, where he said, paraphrasing. He said, if you're if you're not if nobody's telling you no, you're too cheap. And, and, I, and I thought about that. And I was like, well, you know, that's an interesting point, because that's something you have to think you have to be ready to contend with here as well. When you're not charging a high price and you're just kind of going middle of the road, whatever it is, it's a nice comfortable space. But emotionally, you have to be ready to even get that out of your mouth. Ten thousand dollars for this hour. Like this is just it's a it's a besides just typing it's a it's an emotional experience being able to ask for the more money than you've ever asked for before and it's also an emotional experience getting that big fat hell no the first couple of times uh who do you think you are you know you got to be ready for those kind of comments as well and be ready to know that those things are not going to shake you to the point of abandoning the mission that you're on so you got to be ready for that as well for example right now at my job this is a i don't say the first time but i'm this is the first time I've been this deep in in sales in a market that I'm not from not, not not familiar with. I don't have that much of a warm audience with. So I'm I'm in, in my my day job right now. I'm doing some hard sales, I'm calling up folks, talking to high level organizations, governments, and all this kind of stuff. And you you get used. You have to, I mean, I had to learn some resilience. Uh, you know, I had to get coached by some of the higher ups, and like, man, this is all part of the process. People are going to tell you no seven times, and then a year later, all of a sudden, they're going to tell you yes, as if they didn't just tell you no seven times. So you got to be ready for that kind of stuff as you try to try to go into this whole thing about knowing your value and asking for more and that kind of thing. It's a it's a whole process of becoming 
a better you. If you want people to pay you more, you've got to become a better you as well. They're not going to pay the you right now as much money as you think you deserve. You have to become that $100,000 million person as well. So you got to do some growing, all of us. So speaking of which, uh, you want to position yourself. This is the second tip I want to offer is positioning yourself uh, as, a prof- as, as a professional. And a lot of times, and this is speaking from the nomad life person here, a lot of times positioning yourself as a professional may mean moving away from your home circle, your hometown. Uh, when I say it might be a physical move, like me, I've packed up and moved across the world a couple of times, or it may just, may just mean marketing your services, not to family and friends, but marketing it to people who are not as familiar with you, who are going to see you based on your work, not based on, oh, I know Michelle from, you know, Sunday school. I know Michelle from we were growing up in high school, whatever it is, you know, we, we were in the same class. Now, you got to market to people who are only seeing the work and the results that you're able to put out there. So step away from it and position yourself as the professional, right? The third thing is, as we, as we kind of touched on already, is you got to be good. <laughs> you, you, you can't go around. There's no, I don't know how to say this to you. Like you got to put in, you have to put in the work, you have to put in more work than all the people who are only charging average prices. You can't go around charging a premium and not delivering a premium work. You, there has to be an actual reason why I, I would pay you more than other are you, Can you do it faster? Do you do it better? Is the, work, is the experience working with you more enjoyable? Like what, what is it that's justifying this premium that you have, all right? So you really wanna go in there and put in the work to make sure that you are better than the average person, a lot better than the average person. Uh, and Michelle might talk about this as well. Consider getting certified in that field because you want, yes, you can say, take my word for it, take my word for it. You have your case studies and that kind of stuff. But depending on what the what the area is, for example, I know, Michelle, you got the, the PMP, uh, Project Management Professional. Am I saying this correctly? Yes, right? you are. You got the PMP certification re- recently. And I think that goes a long way in you know giving you that external uh the external certification that is not just uh your word for it but it's some other generic you know universally evaluated organization saying yes you have these skills mm-hmm. uh the fourth one really quick is scarcity we had and I, I i go back to my music days with this stuff because this is it was just such an easy direct way of seeing how this stuff plays out you got to be more selective about the the your how accessible you are and about the gigs that you will take the jobs that you will do if you want to start just showing like you know or think about the people that that pay a lot of money think about the people that get paid they're not all over the place you don't see beyonce at every single random concert you don't see you know so you don't see the experts who are really really high paid you know every time a door is open they just take it no the, the, you gotta you gotta be willing to walk away from some stuff. You may have to be walking away from some bigger numbers than you ever thought. I mean, for when we were playing music, for my band to get to the point where we were paid four and five thousand dollars, we had to walk away from the two thousand dollar offer. We had to walk away from the three thousand dollar offer. Now, mind you, we were used to getting paid eight hundred, but to make that jump from eight hundred to five thousand, we had to be able to say, you know what? No, that's not enough. We'll 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 skip this one. So you got to be able to have that scarcity so that when people do see you, uh, if we did the times we did put on a concert and for people like tickets are selling out overnight in a week, a couple of days. Why? Because they don't see you all the time. Right. You're always in a mega yacht. You're on a private island, wherever it is. So when you do do something else that's that's more accessible, people are ready to pay that premium and, and make it happen uh, right away. 
the fifth one I would say, and, and you, you might speak to this as well because you're from your experiences in job searches and different things, is researching the market and uh, accessing, assessing your skills uh, from a knowledge, knowledgeable third party. Like you really want to figure out, not just know your worth or not just know that you're worthy or whatever generic kind of uh, esoteric way you want, but no, you actually want to put some dollar value to it. Like know how much you're actually worth. Like in terms of dollars, what what is the market value for for what you're offering for your services right now? People who are in your niche. I heard Coach Michael Burt one time. He said, "You know the problem out here." And this is how he thought he was a basketball coach. He said, "The problem out here is there's too many people out there where their self appraisal is so much higher than their market value. That's a problem. People out here are frustrated because they're not getting the results, they're not getting paid what they think they do. Yeah, because your self appraisal is up here." But your actual market value, your, your actual dollar market value is kind of down here. You got the confidence, but you might not really have the competence just yet. So you got to try to walk, like close that gap. And, you know, like the, the market value, you know, the market is the market. They, they're going to choose. They, they can go to somebody else. So it's up to you to up your competence and, you know, develop the confidence, do what you have to do to close that gap. The yes, seventh one. Competence builds confidence. Exactly. Exactly. And that comes through practice, just doing it over and over and over. Uh, you're not going to feel as confident on the first or fifth or 10th time doing something or working with a client and trying to get this result as you will feel on the hundredth time. Right. Uh, so by the time you get the hundredth time, hopefully you feel more comfortable asking for asking for the big money. The, the next one I would say is increasing the volume. And when I say volume, I'm not talking necessarily just about it, it goes both ways the volume in terms of like the quantity and also just like the sound like you want to choose a channel where you can showcase your expertise now fortunately in 2022 in 2022 we have a whole bunch of different options if you want to blog if you want a podcast if you want a youtube you want a linkedin live you want to twitter space it out you want to you want to write a book whatever it is you want to choose one of these channels and i say one because i really do mean one right there's a whole bunch of them out there i'm kind of preaching to myself and yes, you can get distracted, want to be all over the place, but you at least want to have one main one. I'm not saying you can't you know, do things other place, but your audience needs to know where church is. Where will you build your church? Are you building your church on Twitter? Are you building your church on LinkedIn? Yes, you might have all these other things and whatever it is, but where is the place that your audience knows that they're going to meet you and you're going to develop, you're going to deliver the most amount of free value, uh, controlled amount of free value. And the way I think of it is, in terms of how much to give away for free versus how much to, you know, where does it cross over into the paid? I think you want to give so much quality in the free, um, the free version of it to where people are like, dang, if she's willing to say that for free, I can't imagine what she's going to tell me in the paid version. I've got to buy that product. I've got to buy that course. I've got to hire her. I got to sit down and really, if this is what she's giving away on Instagram live. I can't imagine what the group session is or the one-on-one -on -one session. Oh my gosh. You know, that's where you, you want to get to that point, you know, where people are like, man, I wish that, not I wish, but I would definitely have paid for that information that they just shared. They, they, you want to make them feel guilty for consuming what you just shared with them. And they got to feel like, dang, I paid for some stuff before and it wasn't that good. That was some good stuff. That's that's where, you know, you're getting to that, that little, you know, you're getting the right amount of rub in there when you, you want to move it over. Uh, the last guilty two. Guilty or inspired. Guilty or inspired. Exactly. I like guilty. Make them feel good. Make them feel bad. <laughs> Make them feel bad. See, this, is why, this is why I like human show. You heard it. You heard it like, be, you know, offer the niceness to all my, all my, uh, my gritty 
preferences of this stuff. Yeah, inspired. Guilty. Inspired. <laughs> inspired. It's fine. The last one comes from uh, someone who I respect a lot in the in the personal development industry, so to speak. But Brandon Burchard. The thing I like about Brandon Burchard is he's very methodical. And if you look at Brandon's story, he came out of that Tony Robbins camp and so on, um, getting his training and getting his cutting his teeth. But interestingly, he was the guy after Tony comes out and does the rah 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 and walking on coals and walking on water like Jesus and all the stuff that you do all that, all that kind of stuff. Brandon was the guy during the interior sessions that you don't see all the time, he's the one actually explaining to you step-by-step step how you're going to get these things done and you know, you know, date with destiny, all this fancy stuff. He's the one giving the actual details and training you. My pet peeve with a lot of motivational speakers and personal development speakers and all these people are dropping the you know 60-second reels and you know, got 100,000 followers of 60-second versions of the most vague advice you've ever heard in your life is that one, it's super vague. Two, they're there to get you hyped and motivated and everything. But by the time you, like you come down off the high, you're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm ready to change my life. How do I do it? You can't find them. They're off to the next gig. They're recording the next Instagram reel. They're at the next random event. They're not there sticking it through with you to actually help you figure out step by step what you need to do for the next year. They're just dropping dropping bombs, getting you excited and moving on to the next thing where they can, you know, get paid a lot of times. And not all of them, but that's the problem with just like the motivational side of it. And I have nothing against motivation. You need it sometimes. But then you also need the people like a Brendan who are more methodical in putting out steps to show you how to get these things done. So check out Brendan Bashard if you're not following him. He's not the most thrilling, exciting, animated, crazy person. But if you want some results and you want to know like the more methodical way of getting things done, definitely some way to check out. And one of the things he put out in one of his books is called this concept of prolific quality output. And it goes back to the thing we said before about using a channel. You want to have one avenue where you are putting out content. If you are, uh, if, if writing is your thing, you want to have a large quantity of high quality information that you're putting out there in that format. If it's YouTube, fine. If you're a video person, we want to know where is your one area where you have a prolific amount of quality output that's that's demonstrable and people can see for what you're doing. So those are a couple of the things I would say as you're moving toward monetizing you and increasing your value and that kind of stuff, start thinking about those things. Now, there's not a cop out, but go ahead. So for those that might perceive themselves as not at the at their definition of quality mm -hmm. embrace consistency until yeah. you feel you are delivering your level of quality of what you perceive to be quality not based off of someone else because they might say it's fantastic but you know your level of excellence right so yeah. most high achievers listen tune into what we're doing so we're talking to high achievers so therefore your level of excellence is high. So if you are on the fence about whether or not it's something you should do or you haven't done it enough from your perception or you just don't have enough receipts as we have talked about in previous episodes, mm -hmm. just commit to being consistent, being consistent for 30 days, being consistent for, you know, like start with 30 days, do something every day for 30 days. If it's one comment where you're adding to someone that you like, you know, like he was just saying about Brandon, okay, add a comment to Brandon stuff, share your knowledge with other people, make mm -hmm. one comment, make a quote, share a statistic, give a little bio about that. 
if you're not into audio, I mean, if you're not into video, do audio. There's a lot of audio options. There's a lot of text options, but also video. Video is a thing. So figure out what that is for you and then make that happen. But be consistent with your efforts because that's what makes, that's what contributes to making great. So this is a reminder because like high achievers are what listens and follows us. So this is a reminder for you to be consistent. Yeah, and the funny, the, the irony of the thing is, even when you think you're not putting out high quality information or content or whatever it is, the fact that you're consistent with it, it does this kind of crazy mind trick. Like if you're the person who's consistently talking about X thing in whatever niche, it after a while with the consistency, it starts being perceived as high quality. You ever had that happen? Like, well, it's just like somebody's, I mean, one, because you're doing it more consistently and you actually are increasing, getting better but you just become known as the source for this thing because you're always, even if there's somebody who knows more, but they're kind of sporadic, they don't show up sometimes, they have little spurts, they drop a couple things here and there, but you're just always there, just kind of slow and steady, constantly putting out something useful, something useful, something useful, something useful. Eventually people are like, man, you know, this is, this is, this person here, let me ask them, a, let me send them a DM. Let me ask them a question. Cause it seems yeah. like they're always here. They're always putting out something. They're always thinking, they're always researching. They're always playing in this sandbox. Let me ask them a question. So yeah, that's definitely something to, th to consider. Don't don't let the fact that your whatever your highest quality that you can do is not as amazing or whatever as the next person cripple you from from doing what you got to do to get started. Yeah, uh, there's a whole lot of fast food restaurants out there, so everyone yeah. does it. All that you know, people think it's impeccable, whatever that is for you, and they're all doing their same thing. So mm -hmm. another thing with consistency, if consistency could be a challenge for you for whatever reason make sure that you get creative with it so give yourself challenges i mean even this is a form of creativity for dallin and i doing a live podcast we know we needed to be out there we needed to come up with consistent content so this is an example of switching it up but we're still sharing our expertise he's giving the money education i'm giving the skills education so this is our way one way to be creative in addition to what we're already doing in other ways so like for me I have different narratives. I move to seasons for my podcast. So I'm not committed to every week, but I'm committed to seasons that deliver a different message each season. They have a different focus each season. So one that keeps me learning in a new way, that keeps me engaged in a new way, but I'm also consistent with getting, because you're going to look for the seasons. Like, okay, Michelle, where's your season? Every quarter, you're going to get a season. So what is it that time? So, Dallin, you know, it is what it is. I mean, and uh, shout out to Michelle for dragging. I mean, literally, I mean, uh, dragging me onto the internet because trust me, we've been through it. She's dropped the hints like, hey, you know, you, you need to do some video stuff. I'm like, Michelle, I'm a podcaster. I don't, you know, I don't got time with this. I got time to be putting on makeup and lights and all. I just, I don't want to do it. So th this is a, this is a, this is the perfect example of me looking at at YouTube and uh, oh my God, I'm not gonna look as good as uh, whoever. Ex, insert X famous YouTuber or X famous financial educator out there. I'm not look as I'm not gonna look as cool or whatever it is. But you know the funny thing is when I went back and I looked at where a lot of the people I respect now started, like their initial videos, and I have one of them say it, like people will look at their videos now and be like, oh my gosh, I can never be that good. But the funny thing is even where they're starting now is already light years better than where that person started. You know what I mean? Like what you think is trash, if you really talk to the people you admire, they might be like, look at my first video. This was you want to see trash? Let me show you trash. Uh, so that shout out to Michelle for dragging me on here to the internet and trying to be more consistent 
and, and do and and doing big things. Thank you, Michelle. If I haven't said it all series, thank you for uh, for getting me out of my comfort zone. I still don't like it, but I'm here. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the journey. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you have any more points to share, sir? Yeah, just the last the last thing I would say. I guess this is not a cop out, but you know I me, mean? I'm not shy about asking for the money and just going after that bag. However, I think there are some there are some legitimate situations where people don't have the budget or don't have the money to pay you in cash what you might be worth. But I think there's some ways where you can still work the deal to where you're getting enough value, not necessarily hard cash, but you're getting enough value to to compensate for what you're trying to do. So for example, I've had situations where someone says to me, oh, well, you know, we don't have $1,500 or $2,000 to pay you. I say, okay, cool. Let's do $1,000 in cash and a two-minute video testimonial with you singing my praises about how amazing I am at doing this. And you give me the rights to use that for future promotional things. The funny part is the two-minute video will lead to other three, four, five thousand dollar gigs. So the two-minute video is actually worth more than than if it, if they had given me the five hundred dollars extra that I was asking for. So start thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, so I've had those kind of situations before where you say, "Look, give me a formal written or uh, or video recommendation that I can use," or maybe you say to people, "Look, cover my travel costs to come out and speak at, at whatever uh, whatever event it is." So you cover you know, travel and food and whatever it is. I come out there and rock it out. And in that kind of case, what I would do is try to line up something else. If I'm going to be, if, if, you, if they're getting me there, okay, uh, I'll come on the Friday, book me to leave on the Sunday. Because on Saturday, I'm going to try to find something else that's going to get me paid in cash for what I'm trying to do. Um, or if you have another product you want to offer, if you have a book, you know, okay, cool. Give me the right to sell my book to the audience or whatever you're trying to do. Uh, the other one that's really cool that I've been using uh, very successfully is is bringing people into your fold by sending a direct invitation to people's mailing list. So it's one thing if you go do the event, but if you can actually get the permission for them to send a direct marketing email after the email, it could be a summary after the event or whatever it is, it could be a summary of what you did or something, something to get them into your funnel, get them into your ecosystem. That can be extremely valuable, uh, extremely valuable as well. And the last one I would say is, again, always trying to have stuff that you can use to book the next gig to get to the next check. Is if you're doing something, especially if it's something public, like a, a speaking engagement or a workshop or uh, whatever it is, try to find a way, if they can't pay you in cash, try to find a way to do this anyway, to get a professionally recorded video of whatever you did that you can use. Because video evidence, as Michelle said, video is so hot right now. You can tell somebody what you did all day, but when they see those visuals that highlight real rocking across the screen of you doing what you have to do, it's amazingly powerful. So those are the tips I would share. Uh, if you're trying to monetize you and get, get your value up and get to a closer place where you know in numerically or you know, dollar-wise what your value is, and also consider those extras for the situations where the cash is not available uh, and, and you want to make sure you can still get value exchange for, for what you're putting out there on the table. Yeah, for sure. So thank you, Dallin, for sharing those tips. I think they're awesome. And I wanted to talk a little bit about a skills assessment. So you know, assessing your skills. So when you are valuing yourself, not beyond just, you know, your value, but valuing your skills when you're preparing for salary negotiation, you're searching for the next job or you're going for a promotion when, you know, you've already done your budget of what you need, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you've done the pre-work to know what type of salary is what you want. Just not, oh, that sounds good or that looks good. You want done your own personal finance 
finance financial assessment of what you're planning for and things of that nature. So that's one. And then two, you have gone to salary.com, Glassdoor, all these different salary websites and researched like what the industry is paying for your role by um, what you're doing, by where you live, things of that, dem various demographics. Yeah. So another thing to do is, and I found some really great resources and I'm happy to share them with you all this evening. So one, um, when you find the job that you want and you're looking for, you're trying to de define your value, there's a couple of things to keep in mind when you're assessing your skills. And so I found this great article through PayScale and, and I thought it was really insightful. And they talked about four different things. One, the skills that you have that you're researching, that you're adding value to, is it essential or is your skill set essential to what you're looking for? Mm -hmm. So is it in need? Is it in demand? Is it applicable? Is it something that they just cannot, they have to have it in order to accomplish the goals on which they're hiring you for, the KPIs and things of that nature? Right. Is it useful for the role? Is it something that you're going to be useful or is it just a fun fact? I mean, a lot of us have the fun fact skills, right? So I can do this, I can do that, but is it applicable to the role in which you're applying for? Is it applicable to what you will be doing? What does that mean? And then also they talk about assume for the role. So what do you have versus that they think will need, not maybe not be needed right now, but six to nine months from now or a year from now in the planning process, what is going to be needed and do you have it? And that's a good time to also assess like your transferable skills, right? So your transferable skills and how that applies to that. If you're going from one industry to another industry, what are those transferable skills? What are skills that you used in the previous role that you probably never thought would be helpful, but it's coming back to serve you well now? Because you always want to add value to your conversations. People are looking for you to make sure that from a project management standpoint, you want perspective you want it to be seamless right you want seamless process it doesn't always happen seamless but that is the goal majority of the time so in doing that you are we talked about this last week we talked about being knowing your niche um being a SME what do SMEs do you're a detective you're a sleuth right you're looking for the you're looking to uncover something right you're looking to give the connector you're looking to share the information, you're connecting the why, you're connecting missing information, you're covering things that are needed. So these are all the all of these aspects follow, follow under assumed role. And then what's irrelevant? Just because you're amazing at something, it's almost like, um, I don't know, like you go to a Spanish country in Panama, but you speak nothing but French. Yeah, that's not really going to serve you well. It's fantastic, yeah. right, that you speak French, but we speak Spanish here. So yeah. how is that going to work for you? So it's like that comes back to the emotion part. Like you see yourself as like grand, right? Like I have these certifications. I do this. I do that. And that's wonderful. Like kudos, you're a high achiever. There's no question that you're great, right? But at the same time, let's give an honest assessment at what is relevant to what you want and how is that gonna be. And then another thing, it's like speaking of, this another twist, but I wanna, I'm really big on addressing the emotion that's tied to that. When it comes down to how you view yourself, when it comes to you being, this is a separate piece, being relevant to irrelevant, don't let anyone 
deter you from what is relevant. That's a valuable skill set. Whether your leadership sees it as value or not, you know the value you bring to the table. And you within yourself become determined to showcase that. You're not showcasing it to prove them right or wrong. You're showcasing it to prove yourself right and to build your own receipts on what it is that you are able to do. You're creating an aha moment for someone else, but you're confirming within yourself the skills and abilities that you have. Yeah, and I think that's why it's important to to, the kind of point I was saying before, when you have those channels where you're showcasing what you do, not just to your job or to that particular manager or whatever it is, when you're showcasing it for the world, for the industry, for whoever is on LinkedIn, because they might not think it's viable, but you know somebody out there who somebody else out there might see what you're doing and recognize and think that and, and see the value in it. You know, so it's not just about that specific case. You're putting it out there for other people to see. Another one that you mentioned a couple of seconds ago that I didn't think about before was them thinking about where were your skills. I'm, I'm I phrase it differently, but where will people see your skills as valuable nine months from now? Like where what what's the what's the future value? Of, of of that of that skill that you have and i heard that and i was like oh okay so this is kind of like what is the shell asking yourself what is the shelf life of this skill that you say you have like yes it's good now but are we going to need it is it still going to be relevant six months from now nine months from now so do we need to sign you up for a hundred thousand dollar one-year contract when in six months you know something's going to move on and all of a sudden you the thing you have won't be worth as much. I, I didn't think I never thought about that before, but that's definitely something for uh, anyone listening to think about. That. What is the shelf life of these skills that you say you have? That's true. And then they always say, you know, generally speaking, history repeats itself. So mm-hmm. you need to make like you need to have your. I strongly suggest you have your own lessons learned laws, right? Of what you learned from the different skills that you've acquired over the years, whether it's five years ago or now, you're still building upon your skill set in each role that you have, each project that you participate on, or, you know, like you're saying, you're cold calling now, right? Or yeah. with what you're building within your current role. Well, mm-hmm. you didn't just start making those sales calls. You're yeah. not new to this. There's other experiences that add it to you being able to be what seems to be effortless when you're having these communications when you're this is when the soft skills kick in right so it's like that the confidence building came understanding your industry understanding your product being able to tell the story being able to connect understanding trigger points understanding the why connecting to the why sitting on the why blowing air into the why to get them engaged in the conversation all of these aspects of like, for example, cold calling, that takes time to cultivate, to understand, and to navigate with ease. And so I just say that to say, like, understand that nothing you do, even in the moment, well, I can't say nothing. There's always something that can come back later that can help you. If it's just getting someone to buy into a message, you can relate. Everything falls into your arsenal of relatability when you're sharing information and things of that nature. But another thing that I wanted to break down, and I found this article through Monster, which I thought was good too, when you're assessing your skills, you're breaking down, you're looking at it like, is this the right fit for me? And why, you know, someone gives you a job. I would say my favorite jobs I've had were ones I never thought that I would, industries that I never thought I'd be interested in. But when I get into the role, I love them. Like, I'm like, 
I should have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I really do enjoy them. So, or I have in the past. And it's like, okay, so one thing I'm like, first be open to something different that you might not have felt be, you would be your industry of choice, right? So that's one. And then two, I would say, you know, here's, here are the things that they have. Reflect on the job description, which I think is key, right? Don't just discount it because it might not be all bells and whistles. There could be something really in there that might be great for you. So think about it. I'm zeroing on the soft skills. We kind of talked about that a little bit ago, just a few months ago. What, what do you need? And do you have skills? So I feel like soft skills is something, I mean, we're always focusing on some skills, but I think especially navigating the pandemic and just, yeah. you know, just hybrid schedules and remote, you really got to figure out, like, I bet some people are using more emojis than they ever had before to make sure. <laughs> Trying to communicate. <laughs> Trying to communicate, making sure the emotion, the sentiment is coming across and it's not like, what do they mean? They just said on the way, or I don't know, but there was like, really, I was just, I'm multitasking and I'm giving you an answer. And I think we were like that before now, but even more now, it's like there's a higher sensitivity to ensuring that that communication is there. But yeah. that also applies when you're assessing your skills for a role. Do you have the soft skills that is needed? Because that goes to a very traditional um, sentiment of foundation of education teaching of educating people of you can have the knowledge to do it right but are people going to listen to you are you yeah. gonna, are you kind are you kind yeah i mean I, the emoji thing just made me laugh because i and the whole idea of trying to trying to humanize so much of this digital communication that we have to do i, I remember I, I sent one or two emails last week to different people not necessarily for my day job but different projects and stuff and I literally said, I don't know if it was the beginning or the end of the email, like asterisk, I am really busy right now, but I want to answer you as quickly as possible because I know this is urgent. I am not about to type in complete sentences, but don't read anything into the fact that I, I'm, going to, I'm going to sound abrupt. I am not angry. I'm just trying to answer you very quickly. Like, it's just one of those. And again, because it's somebody who doesn't know you very well, you don't want to complete the email like, oh, my gosh, OK, that was, he, he was rude. He didn't have time to type a like, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm being abrupt intentionally because I want to be succinct really quickly. So yes, number one, two, no, this, that. I'm not angry at all. I'm just busy. You know, one of those yeah. kind of things. Uh, I, I found I had to do a lot of things just to, people who don't really know you, or just even people who do know you, like, listen, just over-communicate and over-clarify to people what's happening right now. Oh, I'm typing on my phone and I'm about to walk into a place where I'm not going to have signal. Therefore, I'm about to be really short with you, but it's not that I'm angry. Yeah. And I feel like also when you're communicating with people, one, you have to be patient. I don't care wherever. But I think sometimes it's, you got to sometimes, like you're saying, be willing to over communicate, um, explain. Yeah. I'm not saying send the thesis, but just, yeah. just don't ask a question. Take the time to answer them versus yes, no. If it's, if it's warranted for more than a yes, no, if they're trying to understand yeah. The why behind something just you know we're all going to be a novice at something even though our moment being a novice could be very short for whatever reason we all need people to be patient with us and explain things sometimes so or or know I, when an email doesn't or isn't it's not going to work know when the response that, that you need to give is when can we talk i've had a couple of managers have done that and it's been beautiful you can solve a three-minute actual conversation on the phone 
sometimes can solve, you know, 15 different crazy emails going back and forth. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. So another thing that I thought was good in the article, it talked about look at your performance reviews, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of feedback in performance reviews, good and areas of opportunity, right? So we talked about a SWOT analysis. I think that was in the third episode, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. We talked about swatting your skills and what does that look like? So the performance review is a great way to swat your skills and assess what are your areas of opportunities for growth and then things that you really rock star at. So when you're looking at other opportunities, when you're talking with recruiters or the companies pursuing you, it can be a reference point. So you know how to overcome that. And it also can be a reference of telling your stories because sometimes things are not listed there that are listed there that you might have forgotten. So yeah. it helps you tell your story. It helps to help, you know, talk about the seal the deal. Those mm -hmm. things that are listed on your performance review can sometimes help you seal the deal. If it's nothing but from a confidence standpoint, but also telling the story of adding, okay, why should they pay you that 10% difference? Why should you get a signing bonus? If that's something that they need an explanation or they're on the fence of whether or not you're a right fit for that role or a different role that you're even a better fit for, you know, just being able to answer those behavioral questions, explain your expertise, it's really, really helpful. And then, you know, one thing is always asking for feedback, right? Mm -hmm. Asking for feedback, which is thing, a common thing we've talked about in every episode, the importance of feedback and how it can help you have aha moments and also help you with clarity, but also um, for your value, right? So, Dallin, you were sharing how you had your own feedback moment when you realized, okay, we didn't charge these people enough. So yep. the feedback was that tip, right? Like, yeah. so you got to identify what the feedback is. The feedback might not always be that conversation. It could be the no. action. It could be that review that right. someone leaves you or not, or someone's like reluctant to figure that out. I would say that's where you demonstrate courage and ask, well, what is the hesitation? Of course, respectfully and without an attitude or that chip on your shoulder, right? You don't want to have yeah. any of that. You don't want that to like grow up and get you good. But you really want to get the feedback and figure out what that is. Because if you get crickets, I say when you have crickets, for the most part, in your gut, you have an idea why you need to validate it. Yeah. yeah. I really do. I feel like you have an, you have an intuition of why. And then it's just confirming it to yourself. But sometimes, you know, feedback can be just, I always say, we talked about this in one of the episodes, Perceptions Reality. It can be just, it can stir you up, but you just got to get to a point to where you, you are okay with that and yeah. you can move forward. So when you're looking at other jobs and things of that nature, you, when you're expanding your value, you can give an honest assessment, especially right now. People want you to be honest and real, the whole I am professional, this is who I am. Well, okay, we're all not stellar. Like, yes, we're high achievers, but every high, you know, you're just not stellar every day of the, you know, it could be time management, it could be yeah. documentation. What is that? Are you able to apologize? Are you able to accept when you're wrong? Like, these are yeah. real things that people want to know, can you handle in the workplace? And yeah. a lot of us are a work in progress for that on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And can you handle, can you handle constructive criticism you know, and keep on rolling? For example, in my role, where I sit, I sit on a trading floor. So we're, you know, we're in, in a space where you're, you're on a phone call with a client and there's five other people, six other people that can hear exactly what you're saying. 
even if they're not participating in a call. So it's very common in our in our culture for somebody to say, "Hey, man, I was old, I was eavesdropping, no problem. I was eavesdropping on what you were saying. I love the way you broke that down for that client. Blah blah blah. I'm definitely stealing that." And it's also common for someone to say, "Hey, I was listening to that call, and when they asked that question." I thought you were going to do X, Y, Z. So one thing you might want to improve for the next one is that you definitely should take this route, A, B, C, D. And you have to know how to recognize. Of course, people. it depends on your team if they're doing it in the right spirit, not trying to chop you down. But you got to be able to recognize when people are, are in an environment where they're really trying to help each person. Now, you can do it back to them and nobody gets offended by the fact that they gave that feedback because you, you realize, hey, man, I'm so glad you told me that because I would rather you tell me that one time then for me to go on to five, six, seven more interactions with clients or whatever it is and mess it up five more times. I'd rather get the get that gut punch one. I'm saying the gut punch. It's not that you know, it's constructive, but you know what I mean? I'd rather get that correction one time than have to sit there. Then you sit there and watch me mess it up a whole bunch of times. So you really got to get in that environment. If you're the person who's pushing after excellence, I mean, I've seen this in the corporate environment. I've especially seen it in the music environment where I've done gigs before. We walk off stage. Don't you? ever do that again and it never gets done again and everybody's good you know like when i when i go do this that don't don't play that when i'm about to take a solo when you see me do this da, 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 and boom you just you you learn and you improve and everybody's good going forward um so just be be willing to to deal with people to, who are willing to constructively in a positive way uh, sharpen you up really quick and you you know you have permission to do the same thing with them see if you get a couple of friends or a couple of team members who are willing to do that I also feel like if you get the same message and it comes in different ways and you're not heeding to it, you're going to keep repeating that until you do get it. Like, I feel like it, it will keep surfacing, but mm -hmm. when you value, when you're adding value or understanding, you're assessing the value of your skills, that's something to factor in. Because yeah. it could be that one thing that's holding you back or preventing you. I don't like holding back. It's preventing the synonym, preventing you from getting to that next level that you want that one yeah. thing that you're like no that's not me it, it has something there is some relevancy there so what is that relevancy and then yeah. another thing i like to do especially now more than ever is check out not only other job postings within your industry but check out it based to other countries because like there's a lot of you know countries working with each other or you're based yeah. in the uk the company's based in the uk but they have workforce in the United States, I would say just check out from a global perspective, what that industry, what are the job postings for the industry to see what your competition is. Like our competition is no longer singular. Our competition yeah. is a global work workforce in different capacities, even if it is just US only or Europe even, you know, but there are crossovers. So yes, there right. is some that are country specific, of course, but there's a lot of that are continuing to evolve to cross over beyond that. So assess yourself and how you ramp up because a lot of certifications are global. They're not just specific to countries, depending upon what it is. That's a general statement. But how did, how does it assess that? What is the what is the value? You know, pull out that calculator where it gives you the value of the dollar versus the value of, you know, another country and figure out what that is. So it just helps you get perspective on what yeah. that is. And you're like, I'm worth X amount of dollars, okay, is that, what What are your guides? What are you yeah. basing that on? So take the time to research. And I'd say don't be afraid to travel. I don't mean travel as a vacation. Don't be afraid to work abroad. 
even if it's just for a certain amount of time. I've seen so many. I mean, I come from a small country <clears throat> where, I mean, it, the workforce, especially in the corporate world, is built on people from all over the world coming there, doing the same stuff that local people do or local people are trained to do, for example, in, in a lot of cases. But just because they're from wherever, they're getting paid three, four, five times more than the person who's there. Because you come in, again, you're foreign, you're different. You're, oh, my gosh, you know, so-and-so, they got to be good. They're from London. <laughs> you know, they're from London or wherever it is. And really and truly, they're from some tiny random-ass country town, you know, in in, in, the, in the UK somewhere with population smaller than the island, you know, milking goats or whatever it is. But, you know, they came through a London airport, so they got to be better. So that perception... Thing. you can okay, use that to your advantage when you're when you're when you're <laughs> when you're outside i know soap soapbox but you can use that perception to your advantage when you move abroad in that you can now come in as the expert I mean, there's a one quote i heard one time uh, that an, an expert is just a regular person saying the same thing away from home saying the same stuff they would have said at home but just because you're not at home oh oh yeah oh, oh that's deep yeah you're an expert we gotta we gotta pay her the same stuff you would have said at home and they'd have been like, eh, whatever. So don't be afraid to, to take some time at least, uh, even if it's just a certain, you know, a temporary stint abroad and come back to the same company that you're working in right now or whatever you're doing. And you come back in as a more highly respected executive and a more highly, uh, they're willing to pay you more when you come back with an international experience a lot of times. So come out here in the jungle. Come on. You want to talk? Slide in my DMs. You want to talk about moving abroad and doing some crazy stuff and languages that you don't speak? Talk to me about it. Dallin can tell you he has lived in different countries on languages overnight. So. <laughs> I don't know overnight. He's like, I'm going to get this. And I mean, it's been cool to see you evolve in that capacity. So I Come think on here and get cool. this foreign bag. It is all good. So my last share for this episode is I found this through a great article in Medium, and I'm going to put all this in the show notes for everyone so you can have that to digest and move on while you take heed to Dallas advice of considering if, you, if you're able to, if your lifestyle affords you the opportunity to work abroad, yeah. you can think about that. But also, I want to share this price formula, right? And so this helps, um, these are 15 factors to remember um, when you're setting your price and if to align with that. So this applies to the entrepreneurs, but I think some of it also applies to nine to fivers when it comes to having perspective of what you need. So let's start with the P and price. P reflects your planning, productivity, performance. Um, for example, is your performance on the level of a novice or is your performance on the level of an expert? Mm food for thought. So this is also applies to people when they're like, that's not my job. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that right where it's at. And you don't, you don't feel like you don't have to do that. Now there are, that's a very broad and there's a lot of different factors that go into that, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to stand on the, I'm going to make mine connect to the possibility that you might potentially this is not for my high achievers. This could be for people that are in their feelings about their job, or this can be for people that might, um, professionals that might feel like, you know, they that's not where they are. Are you going down the road of lazy versus mm -hmm. the opportunity of developing 
as being intentional. Let's talk about keeping your stride because when you're keeping your stride, there's ebbs and flows. Some days you're not feeling it. That's natural. We're human. We're people. You're not going to always feel like top notch. This is when intentionality kicks in development. And you, it's easy to say, mm, that's not my job, but is this an opportunity for you to develop, which has nothing to do with your job. This has to do with the accountability you hold to yourself, right? Yeah. And your own personal development. So are you going to make sure you don't go down the lane? There's nothing wrong with resting, but please don't go down the path of lazy. Mm. I just, mm. that's important. Okay. So R, okay. R is for, um, we're for, I'm sorry. <laughs> Glory to God. Go ahead. <laughs> R is for recognition. So R reflects on your public recognition and your your business relationship, industry, and or professional reputation. So that goes back to what we've spoken in other episodes about receipts. That goes back to what Dallin was referring to earlier. It's like, you know, sharing your expertise and what does that mean and you know there's a i don't i don't know where i share this i shared it some i'm really on a roll of sharing sharing content but it was like we're talking about, i think it was when we we're talking about branding so i think that was episode four was that last week i think it was last mm, week yeah talking about me and it's like what are people saying about your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room yeah so this is a great opportunity to think about that one in your price. So what are people going to say when they're like, they're like, hey, I, I saw Michelle's rates or I saw Kim or whoever, Tom. And it's like, you know, and someone's like, well, yeah. What is the well, yeah part? What are people going to say about you? Are they going to say that you're easy to communicate with? Do they know your stuff? Did you challenge them? Did you give them an, another thing? My thing is I'm always going for the aha moment. Did you have an aha moment? did I share something with you that created an aha moment? Cause if I did, that means I did my research. Right. Right. And cause I mean, I don't know everything, but I study a lot. I listen, I'm listening to people. I'm, I'm reading a lot and I'm always trying to connect the dots because as a, a professional, I deem myself a professional development strategist. Strategy means you're always thinking of a different perspective. So what does yeah. that look like and how do you accomplish that? So the other one for I, I reflect on influence, intelligence, and the impact with respect to results. So people pay for results. So where are your skills? What does your services or your product, product or services, not something that we talked about in the last episode, where yep. do you fall in the, that along with the money line, right? Yeah. So are you doing a product? Are you are you selling a product? Are you promoting a service? Or are you the overseer? So I'm quoting Dallin. And then I'm also going to talk about the money line. So what does that mean for your skills when you're assessing your skills to figure out your price, be it you're an entrepreneur or you're in the workplace? How does all of that flow with you promoting your value, right? Are you going to be the median salary asker, the high, per, high percentile salary asker, or below medium? What, where do you fall? Where do your skills put you in that? So yeah, you're a project manager, but where in that spectrum of high, medium, or um, below average? Because if you look at salary.com, there's that slope, right? So yeah. where do you fall on the slope? And your skills are what determines what you fall on the slope, not only because you interview well, you interview well because you're able to tell the story. 
right? You did your research about the company. You're able to tell the story. You're able to tell the story about your skills, you know, and you understand what their end result is and how you're going to able to make that. So that comes down to influence and intelligence and your impact, what impact you're going to make and how, and how are you going, how do your skills help them make the impact that they want? Because it's a business. Mm -hmm. So the other one is the C and that reflects on capability, competency, which we talked about competence, build confidence, right? and consistency. So that's really reiterating what we've already talked about, but the consistency of your product program and your service delivery. And that's something that's been a theme throughout the entire season. So that's just another friendly reminder. And then the last one in the price formula is E, and which is efficiency, effectiveness, and excellence of execution with respect to the finished product throughout the pre-sales, sales, sales, and post-sales that supports the process. So what does that mean? Can you carry it all the way through to the end? Are you going to drop the ball? Translation, can you carry the ball all the way through the game and kick it to the goal? Make the basket, kick it to the goal, whichever it works for you. Can you do that? And if not, when, how, how soon can you course correct to be able to do that? No, I think that's super. That, that that price formula is super, uh, super powerful. Especially that last one about the follow through and and the 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 excellence that needs to flow through your entire process from pre sales, like before I even start work. My first interaction with you, whether it's your website, your you know your social media, whatever it is, from, but before we even make really make contact, was I feeling the excellence right through to after I'm done working with you. If there's something that goes wrong, is there a follow-up thing that needs to happen? Is there like what's the service line agreement that goes on with this? What you know, what is the what is is there like a one-year check-in that happens afterwards? Like, am I still gonna be feeling that excellence even after I'm done in the the main chunk of work with you? I think that's 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 the thing that separates, you know, the people who are getting paid pennies versus the people who are getting paid, you know, high value amounts of what they what they provide. Oh, for good sure. Because if you're oh sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's good stuff. I'm liking it. Yeah, so if I feel if I perceive if you can handle E with the high level of excellence of the high achiever that you are, the rest of the formula is effortless because it takes care of itself. It yeah. remedies itself if you if there's a if there's a swoop or a dip, it courses it course corrects because at some point you have figured out your process of looping around to addressing every aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's a lot of good stuff that was shared here tonight. And if I were to and if I were to sum it all up, I think one of the overarching takeaways we need that we, we want people to walk away from this session with is that yes, you can charge more. You are worth you you are worth a lot, and you can push that even more. You have the ability to increase your value, but that is going to take work. This is not just a psychological. You need to feel more, get with your confidence or whatever. Yes, that's part of it. But you actually need to make sure that you are doing the things that you need to do to increase that value. You're doing the things that you need to do to be able to deliver that value seamlessly from from you know from before start to after finish, if that makes sense. From pre-sales straight through to the different things that you're trying to do. And learn how to communicate that and move that way. Whether you're talking about in a nine to five job situation and especially if you're thinking about quitting that job and you want to be an entrepreneur, you better figure this out uh, quickly. The, in the nine to five world, you know, 
it might be a little bit more forgiving. You know, they don't like the way you do this and that other, but you've been with the company a long time. Your severance pay is going to be too much for the company right now. So that they, you know, it's, it's too expensive to fire you. So they put up with some of your BS. But out here in the jungle, if you want to go entrepreneur, people don't have, don't have any reason to stick with you. They will switch to somebody else better in a heartbeat, right? So if you're thinking about quitting that job and you're frustrated, this and that other, make sure you really have it together or you're prepared to really get it together super fast if you're thinking about coming out to the real jungle. Uh, and getting this stuff done. But the fact there is that we're giving you a lot of resources and tools that you can use to make it happen. So I hope you take this into the week, take this into the month, the year, whatever it is, go out there, make some stuff happen from my desk here in Panama City, Panama, where we actually speak Spanish. This is Dallin Vanderpool from this side of money and skills with Dallin and Michelle wishing you a powerful week. Awesome. And I just want to say in regards to the pre-sale to the support process your pre-sales is getting the getting the call to interview your sales is the interview and your post sales is delivering on what you said you would do when you signed the offer letter which brings to mind george mcpherson's don't be paper which is part of the keep your stride narrative like make sure no matter what whatever you're saying whatever you're promoting whatever you're educating that you can deliver on that so you can sign on the dotted line in every capacity that you can do this, but you have your receipts because you shared it, but make sure that beyond sharing it, you really can't do it. So yeah, that's important. So I hope that some of the things that we share with you tonight will help you assess your skills, make sure that you are understanding the value that you bring to the table. If you're an entrepreneur or you're a nine to five, thanks so much for joining us or catching the replay. We have one more. We have one more episode, and then the season's a wrap. I'm excited and sad yeah. and excited. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Anyway, join us for coffee and donuts in the comments uh, and the DMs. We'll be out there hanging out. Uh, we'll see y'all. We'll see y'all next night. Same bat time. Same bat place. Yep. Have a great week. Thanks so much, everyone. Peace. <laughs>